Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tammy. I am so excited today to have a super special guest with us, Olivia LaRue. Olivia LaRue is a practicing sex worker and madam. She resides in the beautiful Eastern Sierras. And we're going to talk to her about what it's like to be her and be in her life and how she views sex work as a spiritual calling. I'm fascinated by her and her work, as I'm sure you all are going to be as well. We are supported by Dame Products. Sex is best when everyone's in their full pleasure. And as you and I know, women often like a little extra stimulation in bed. And that's where Dame's Eva 2, a hands-free external vibrator for couples, comes in. They help take female pleasure to new heights. The Eva 2 is discreet. It's light. It has these flexible wings that hold it in place. Let me tell you, when my husband saw this at, <laughs> at the sex therapy conference at their table, he went crazy for this. He was picking it up, showing it to everyone. He loves this thing. It has these little wings that hold it in place so your hands are free to roam wherever they want to go. This is a vibrator like no other vibrator. You got to check out the Eva 2 and all of Dame's products at dameproducts.com. And if you go to dameproducts.com slash trouble with sex, you can put in the code Dr. Tammy, that's D-R Tammy, and you're going to get 15% off your first order. You're going to love them. Welcome to the Trouble with Sex, where we get up close and personal with leading experts to expose the naked truth about sex, love, and relationships. I'm Dr. Tammy. Olivia LaRue, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, Dr. Tammy, it is my supreme pleasure, and thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm so thrilled. I'm, first of all, I just want to appreciate that you're uh, willing to come on The Trouble of Sex and talk to us honestly about your work and really give us the, like, the low-down, dirty truth about what you're doing and that you are such an advocate for your work and your business because I think, especially at this time in our culture, it's so important to have women with a voice and a strong belief in what they're doing. So thank you. Thank you for the kind words. So tell us exactly what you do because I, I'm not going to give it, you know, the real description that it needs. So I want to hear from you exactly what you do and how you got into it. I'm a courtesan, and so that is a type of sex worker. And I suppose one could classify sex workers in different ways, but ultimately what we all do is provide companionship in exchange for a donation or money. And so what I do is I market myself as a courtesan and a companion, and I meet people mostly through the internet these days. But I also meet a lot of people through word of mouth. And if we connect, if we have a nice friendly connection, then we can move forward and they can become my clients. And so once I have a client, then we can schedule time together. And that amount of time could be any time from an hour to a few days to a week. It just depends on their needs and my availability and our connection. So you live in Reno, right? Correct. So is it legal in Reno to be a sex worker, to be a courtesan? It's a very good question. So in the state of Nevada, prostitution is legal in certain counties. 
And those counties are the counties outside of the major metropolitan centers, which there's not too many. There's Vegas and there's Reno. And so the the counties outside of Vegas and Reno have legal prostitution. Now, in the city of Reno and also in many cities across the United States, it's legal to be an escort and to have an escort business. And so I registered with the city of Reno as an escort. And I'm also registered as an escort agent. So that is how I kind of get around that. It's interesting. I think some people know that it's legal in Vegas. Some people know that it's legal in Reno. and But people want to know, you know, is this something that it's legal for you to do as an individual? Is it a business model? <laughs> like, how do people make a living doing this? And is it something that you feel impassioned and empowered about? I am definitely impassioned about this work. Mm-hmm. And it is very empowering work. Now, there's a dark side to that. There's all the trafficking that could happen. There's women who are sadly forced into this type of work due to their life circumstances. And that's sad and tragic in many cases. But for a lot of women, it's very empowering work. The women that I mentor, I always tell them that it's about empowerment. It's not about exploitation. I'm not trying to take advantage of them. I'm not trying to make money off of their hard work without giving them support in return. Because when I started this work, I didn't have a mentor and I didn't have somebody to give me advice. I learned everything the hard way, which is my nature. I want to hear about that journey and how you started. And But you said something that I just wanted to ask you more about. You said, you know, uh, this is empowering. And can you just tell me more about like what's empowering about it for you personally? Well, there's a couple different levels that it's empowering. On a base level, it's a big ego thrill. You know, I, I get paid to have men tell me how beautiful I am and to want to spend time with me. And that is an ego boost. Mm-hmm. So that's empowering. But it goes beyond that. It's empowering because I get to see the effect I have on my client's life. And I know I'm helping them. And they tell me that I'm helping them. And the time that we spend together makes them feel good. It makes me feel good. And knowing that I'm helping someone and making them feel good is an empowering feeling. Yeah, I know that. I'm a therapist. The same thing. Exactly. You probably make more money than I do. (laughs) I don't know about that. So you feel like you're helping people. You feel like the work that you're doing is really valued by your clients. And you feel like it's also an ego boost to have people really appreciate you like that. Definitely. But with the ego, you know, there's a light and a dark side because we can get carried away with those ego boosts and it can get ugly. This is a business of risk management. There's a lot of choices that need to be made. Do I do this out of desperation or am I doing this because it is something I'm called to do is the first choice we have to make. Mm. In one of my videos, I talk about my three laws and law number one is don't be desperate. Law number two is don't count the money before it's in your hand. (laughs) And law number three is remember that we're like evil Knievel. We get paid for the attempt. So you get paid for the attempt, don't be desperate, and don't count the money before it's in your hand. Basically. And if you do those three things, then you're setting yourself up for success. I feel like those are three lessons for life and for any business. I don't know if everyone remembers who evil Knievel is, but he was definitely a risk taker. And it sounds like, you know, some of what you're talking about is taking risks and also managing, you know, your own expectations as well as like the expectations of people that you're mentoring. 
expectation management is a big part of this business. Mm -hmm. Strong boundaries are another big part of this business. Mm -hmm. Not just my expectations, but the expectations of clients as well. Mm. That is a, a very big part of this business. A lot of times clients will come to see me with an idea of how they want things to go and it doesn't always go that way. And so I have to be able to think on my feet mm-hmm. and I have to be able to make quick judgments on people's character the minute I meet them. So you, you being the expert that you are, first of all, on your intuition, your judgment on people, character evaluation, risk management, what do you think is, you know, this is the trouble with sex podcast. What do you think is the biggest trouble with sex today? I love that question. What I feel like the biggest trouble with sex is, is the disparity between a real life connection one-on-one in real time, physical, spiritual, emotional connection versus what we see on our screens versus what technology tells us is the truth. People growing up in our culture today see a lot of things on their screens that could be true or could be false. Being able to differentiate between reality and fantasy is something that we need to take a look at as a culture. It's troubling to me in sex work because I'll come across people who who feel like the act of sex, the act of intimacy is what they see on their screen. You mean in porn? In porn or in TV, in the movies, Mm -hmm. in rap songs, whatever it is. And they come in with these ideas, and I don't know what their ideas are, but it becomes pretty obvious after a few minutes what their ideas are. And I feel like I'm part of the solution to this Mm, problem. Interesting. Maybe a small part of the solution, but if I can help one person have a real-life connection and create a memory with someone who loves them unconditionally is a gift that they give themselves And I feel like I'm part of the solution to the problem of the lack of intimacy in our culture. So how do you give them that if you're seeing them as a sex worker and you might only see them like once? It's a calling. It's a spiritual calling for me. Mm -hmm. I've learned how to meet people with unconditional love as the beginning of our relationship. It's the base. That's what I start with. The foundation. The foundation of all My client interactions is unconditional love. It can go up from there. Sometimes it goes down from there, but Mm -hmm. mostly it goes up. Mm -hmm. Respect is number one Mm -hmm. to me. So you meet your clients with unconditional love and then and respect. And depending on the circumstances or what happens, that can go up or down. So do you work with men only? Do you ever see women or couples? It seems like a lot of um, there's been an increase with sex workers for couples. The majority of my clients are men, but I have had a decent amount of couples experiences. And then I've also had a couple of experiences with just women. I don't get as many of those as I would like. I love women, you know, and um, I love being able to give a couple the experience that they're looking for when they hire a sex worker. Can you tell us more about this idea of like your unconditional love for your clients? Like, can you really feel that for everybody that walks in the door? Do you get to like screen people? So you get to pick the people that you are more likely to feel that for? Yes, that's a good question. My screening process is pretty stringent because I want to be able to have that connection and I want to give the best service that I can. So um, how do I screen them? I have different ways of screening them. First, you know, we start with age, first name, 
and then I go from there. Like if they are on social media, I can use that as a screening tool. If they want to supply me with their work website or their business card or whatever information that they feel comfortable giving me, I can use as screening references from other escorts sometimes work out sometimes not because those escorts are trying to get rid of their clients that are problems so, oh, so they're trying to lay them off on you somehow <laughs> and pawn them off pawn off the bad ones on you yeah i don't have that happen to me as much as i used to so how do you have this unconditional love for your clients i try to understand where the client is coming from when they seek out my services they're coming from a place where they are lacking connection or intimacy. They're probably nervous. They don't know what's going to happen. They have expectations. They, you know, sometimes are really nervous, right? And so when they walk in my door and I make eye contact and I give them that hug, that's the moment where I let them know it's going to be okay. We're going to have a good time. And it's just a moment that I create for both of us because they might not be able to for whatever reason. And that's what I'm talking about when I say the unconditional love because they're there to see me. They're not there for drama and they're not there to be judged and they're not there to be made felt bad about what they're doing and about their choices and all this stuff, all this stigma. That's not what they're there for. They're there for a connection and to feel love. And so that's what I'm providing. And the best time to start is the minute they walk in my door. So you really help them to uh, release all the shame that they might have about their sexuality, their sexual needs, their fantasies, their desires. I mean, it sounds like you just have this unconditional acceptance of those people. Acceptance is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Being accepting, putting away, you know, I said this was an ego stroke and it's a big ego boost, but I have to put away that ego so I can meet them. Because it wouldn't be very comfortable if I was the client to walk into this place and have this woman just like telling me how great she is and how she's going to rock my world. And now there's all this pressure and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I have to be able to meet them where they are Mm -hmm. and boost them up and give them what they're looking for, whatever that might be. And I can usually feel it out pretty quickly what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know. Where my head goes is like, is this like a full-time job? Do you spend a lot of time? How many hours do you work? Are you exhausted? Are you only, do you only work a couple days a week? Billable hours, maybe, you know, it fluctuates, but five to 20 a week or more. If I'm traveling, we can talk how that looks, billable hours. But a lot of it is on the backside because it's still a business and I still need to run it like a business. Self-care is part of this job. Mm -hmm. And then there's balance. There's work-life balance because I could spend, I love this work and I could spend way more time on it than I do and probably make way more money, but that's not the most important thing in my life. The most important thing in my life is my family. And that's why I do this work so that I can give them a good life and, and be there for them and not be slaving away 60, 80 hours punching a clock. Mm-hmm. So it offers me a certain amount of freedom and so you're married, right? And you have kids. Correct. I'm married and I have kids. I've been with my husband for 17 years. We've been married for 11 and I have two little boys. Wow. Okay, sexy listeners, we'll be right back. The Trouble With Sex team and our partners at Dame want you to know we've got your back. We're living in really stressful times and self-care has never been more important. Make sure you're carving out time to take care of you. 
This can mean self-pleasuring, masturbation. Those are great ways to decrease feelings of loneliness, anxiety, and it can even relieve depression. For more help exploring solo play, you can visit dameproducts.com slash trouble with sex. That's unusual to hear that story, you know, for women to talk about it or to admit it or to say that they can find that balance between, you know, doing sex work and balancing their family or having a partner that's, you know, okay with it. I'm blessed. My husband is very, he's an extraordinary man. He's very supportive. So when you met your husband, were you already working or was this something that you created for yourself after you got married or after you met him? When I met my husband, I was 19 and we started our relationship as an open relationship, as a polyamorous relationship. So the transition into sex work and being a manager or a madam was easier than it would be for some women because we already had that foundation of trust and communication that is required for polyamory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. So you were already talking about being open with each other and balancing multiple relationships and you already had that agreement. Yes, yes. We already had that agreement. And did it come as a shock to him when I told him that this is what I wanted to do? A little bit. Even though I've been threatening him with this for years, it it still came as a little shock because now it's real. Did we have a learning curve? Absolutely. There was a big learning curve. But we walked through it and both of our lives are better now because of these choices I made and we made together. So can I ask you a, a personal question? It's not about your sex life and it's not about your marriage. It's actually about money. Like, can you tell us how much money that you charge? Like, what do you what do you charge? How much money do you make? Is it a good money making operation? It's basically five hundred dollars an hour. If you want me by the hour, if you uh, want me to travel to you then it starts at four thousand a night plus expenses. But prices slash donations in this business fluctuate wildly. Minor in the mid-range. The women out of the larger metropolitan areas, New York, L.A., Vegas, some of them charge, you know, 13 15 a night. And I think that's great. If they, if they can make that money, then go for it, girl. I, I don't feel comfortable charging that because I'm not plastic Barbie doll. I don't think – it's not that I don't think I'm worth it, but I'm comfortable with where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So wait, so they charge $13,000, $15,000 a night? Correct. Okay. So that, that's got to be a fun night. <laughs> it sounds exhausting. <laughs> so for you, it sounds exhausting. It's like too much pressure. But still, you what you're charging for $4,000 for overnight plus travel, that's pretty good. Do you travel a lot? Do people ask for that a lot? My business has mm, evolved into that being the majority of the revenue I create. Yeah, so you have regular clients that you see. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. So it goes back to really how you set these things up or you have this intention that you're going to connect with people with unconditional love and you really like, you really meet people with this expectation that you care about them and that they're accepted no matter what. And so I can imagine that you'd have some pretty, pretty close regular relationships with people. Yes, ma'am. I am blessed to have these ongoing relationships with my clients. And it goes pretty deep. When you spend that much time in an intimate atmosphere with someone, you learn a lot about each other. And it's a special kind of relationship. It's hard to put a price tag on it, but I managed to do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. So let me just ask you, what is like the average age of your client? 
I prefer to see clients who are over the age of 50 at least. Really? You like the uh, older guys? Sure do. <laughs> sure do. Is there somebody <laughs> in the room with you right now that you keep looking at that's, that you're like <laughs> winking at? Yeah, I can tell. You're like so cute and giggly. Yeah. So there's someone in the room with you. So, okay. So the average age is over 50. And are they primarily married men? Yes. Okay. And do their wives know? Are they mostly sneaking around? Like, is it most often that this is sort of compartmentalized on the side? That's a great word. Compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the word I was used. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And obviously there's a guy in the room who's laughing, who's like, yeah, that's me. Mr. Compartmentalization. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, listening at home, we are doing a Skype interview and I can see, I can see her on, on my Skype screen, but I can't see who she's talking to or who else is in the room, but she's having a great old time there. If he wants to talk and say something, I'm happy to have him participate in our conversation. Baby, do you want to participate? Our arrangement has evolved over time. Oh, Today's our second anniversary. So he loves how your relationship has evolved over time. It's working for him. It's been two years. Oh, he's going to talk. Hi there. Hi, and welcome to The Trouble with Sex. I'm Dr. Tammy. I'm so happy to have you with us. Is there a name that you want me to call you? Sure. You can call me Rocky. Hi, Rocky. The mayor. (laughs) Rocky. Uh, I'm known as the mayor. Hi, Rocky, the mayor. I'm so happy that you decided to talk to us. So I hear that it's your two-year anniversary with Olivia. That is correct. And she said you're her number one, so you guys have a very special relationship. I, I think we do. Yeah. but And it's very loving. It's very, it's very loving. Yeah, that's really nice. And she is a sex worker, so you're still paying her for her time and her relationship. Yeah. Um, I don't really look at it that way, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's obviously, you know, you guys have something that has kept you in this relationship in particular with this particular woman. I mean, you know, you could go to other sex workers, but there's something that's developed over time with Olivia between you that's become really intimate and connected and important. Yeah, and I I call it end-to-end because there obviously there are a lot of other sex workers. There's a lot of beautiful women out there. There's a lot of women that, you know, there isn't a donation involved. But, um, you know, I call it end-to-end with her because uh, that's kind of just how we are. It's very comfortable and it's it's like an old glove or an old shoe. It's easy and there is no drama and there's mutual respect and expectation of success. And I'm kind of a successful guy, you know, and I'm also a very artistic and cultured kind of guy. And um, I find uh, live very in tune with me, I guess, is how I put it. So when you say, you know, it's like an end-to-end, does that mean like it covers all the bases? I mean, end-to-end with her as a beautiful woman, as a woman, as an equal, as as somebody that I have an interest in her business and giving her advice and counsel. Um, the relationship is end-to-end. It covers all the bases, okay? Interesting. It, yeah, it's um, it's simple, but it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. It's very simple and very, very complicated. I'm assuming that you're married and you have a family somewhere and they don't know about this. Yeah, that's a good assumption. Sounds like for you, you know, this is something that 
works for your lifestyle and sounds like it makes you happy. And why do you think so many people have so many hang-ups about sex work or paying for sex when it seems like other countries are much more accepting of this kind of relationship? I, I, I quite honestly, I'm a very liberal thinker, okay? I quite honestly don't understand that. I worry about, uh, you know, sex trafficking and, and, you know, people that are desperate and they're doing things because they want to get high or, you know, they're doing it because some, you know, jerky guys forced them to. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is a whole nother deal. Yeah. Um, I refer to her as a courtesan. She's artistic. We can talk about music. We can talk about art. She's chef trained. We dine at really wonderful restaurants. I got an opportunity to go to Shanghai for some art business that I do in the UK. And uh, she and I met and we went together and it was spectacular. So our relationship has evolved over time and it's only evolved in a positive manner. So do you think that sex work's ever going to be legal in this country? Do you think it should be? I certainly would hope so, and I think it should be. But like everything, it needs to be managed because we need to avoid those other things that I referenced. Yeah, the the sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add for our listeners here at The Trouble With Sex um, from your perspective, from your position that you want to share either for men or for women who are listening? I just would like to say that uh, I like to consider myself – fairly successful and fairly experienced and lived a very charmed life for a long time became at 27 became more of an executive now i'm a senior executive and i travel like i said weekly financially very comfortable but as i got older and got more executized i lost a little balance within myself with what i call my artistic side and you know i met a person that I felt like healed me. So I looked at it more like therapy than sex work. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, it was therapeutic, not just in a physical sense. It was in more of a total emotional well-being sense. Mm-hmm. Nice. So she's looking at you with such a sweet face. It really is a lot what she said that she really feels like she is a healer in that the way that she has relationships with people, it feels like a calling, that she feels that connection and that that is an opportunity. I would totally believe that this is not atypical, that Liv is very unique in that sense. And I think as a client, her clients would feel that. I mean, to me, I felt it the first day I met her, uh, which was a bizarre situation, but I, I felt, I felt that the first day I met her and it was in very humble circumstances and, uh, it evolved from there. And it was multiple times in 2018 and a lot more in 2019 and more in front. So, <laughs> well, and it sounds like you are pretty connected to each other. So it sounds like it's not going anywhere anytime soon either. Not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you sharing your experience and being so honest with our listeners. Certainly. So, Olivia, what was it like for you to hear him share all that? Oh, he's so sweet and kind to me. He has so many nice things to say. It makes me feel good. It validates my choices, and that's always nice. Yeah. Well, you've obviously made a big impact on his life. You know, what I noticed was, you know, when I said – 
you know, it, it sounds like you guys have a great relationship and you're still paying her. And he said, well, that's the, just the small part of it for me. Well, I can't really think of anybody better for y'all to talk to because the mayor has a very realistic perspective on this whole mm-hmm. situation. And how does he feel about you having other clients? It's not really ever been an issue. Mm-hmm. On that topic, we have a question from a listener. If a client sees someone regularly, what happens if someone wants more? If they want more, I'm, I'm assuming she means. That's a really good question. This happens. It happens a lot. Mostly it happens where the client will fall in love with the escort Mm -hmm. and want a relationship, an exclusive relationship. Sometimes it happens the other way around where the escort will fall in love with the client. Sometimes they fall in love with each other. What happens is really up to those individuals and their boundaries because what could happen are many things, and some of them could be very bad. Then there's questions that people need to ask themselves, like, do I want to get out of my marriage, or is this just infatuation that I'm feeling? Am I just feeling intimacy for the first time in my life, and now I want it all the time? And I feel it is our responsibility in this profession to keep an eye out for that and to offer a loving alternative, because sometimes people get carried away by their emotions. In my experience, and it's happened to me a couple of times where the client will fall in love with me and I don't fall in love with them or um, or they become a little too attached, then that's my job to show them what good boundaries look like. How do you set those boundaries with people? The way I set those boundaries is by keeping in mind that what I'm doing is work and it is a job and is my profession. And no, I don't need to be texting my clients at 11 o'clock at night. And no, I don't need them to know my real name and where I live. And those things are important. I have a different number for my phone. My my personal number is blocked. I started out with boundaries. Sometimes we have to go our separate ways. Sometimes people have never experienced a woman setting boundaries for them like that. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, so you have to be really strong and really loving at the same time. That's an interesting combo. It's not as simple as a lot of people might think it is. How do you manage that with Rocky when he's in the room with you right now? I mean, you obviously have a... <laughs> Like a relationship with him where their boundaries are a little bit different. Well, that that's the name of the game. How do I how do I manage that with the mayor? Uh, <laughs> we've talked about this before, and he admitted that he's married and I'm married, and neither one of us want to get out of our marriage. Mm-hmm. We both love each other a lot, mm-hmm. and this love is in within boundaries, and that love can still be infinite and endless and perfect and beautiful. There's, you know, a time and a place for it. Mm -hmm. The way it works, the reason it works is because we both understand that. Well, spoken like someone who's in a good, you know, open relationship or polyamorous, you know, it's like someone who has good boundaries in their relationships. It takes work. And you know that you're, you're a therapist. You know that it takes work. So we have one more question from a listener who wants to know if you've ever felt like you were in danger and how do you take care of yourself? When I started this work, I put myself into situations that were risky and dangerous because I didn't know any better. And I can safely assume that many new sex workers have done the same because there are predators out there and they look for girls who are new to take advantage of. 
I try to remind the girls that I mentor that you're not being held hostage and you can always leave. And what's more important, money on the table or your life and safety? So a big part of what you're doing now is not just the sex work, but also mentoring other women who are getting into the business and trying to be courtesans and teaching them how to be safe, how to do it in a way that works for them, how to use the opportunity uh, to do it as a, a healing profession and not just uh, not just a sexual one. It's a big part of my business now because I feel like it's important. The more understanding and acceptance there is around this, the better the chances of it being legal. Do I think it's going to become legal in my lifetime? No, I don't. Because as a country, we're not ready yet for that. And that's okay. There's parts of the country where it's legal. And like I said, many cities allow it as a business. But just because it's not legal doesn't mean it's not needed. Mm. It's a necessary profession. They call it the oldest profession in the book for a reason. People crave intimacy and they crave connection and they crave touch. And if the only way that some people can get it is to pay for it, then we should be there to provide that service in a loving and healing, safe way. Mm, that's a lovely way to put it. Thanks, Olivia. And thank Rocky for uh, me. <laughs> thank you. To find out more, go to thetroublewithsex.com or email me at drtammy at thetroublewithsex.com. Join our mailing list, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter, or send me a question. The Trouble With Sex is produced by Brandy Savitt and Jane Applegate. Our audio is by Flavor Lab, New York City. Our L.A. studio engineer is Aaron Steinberg. This episode was mixed by Eric Stern with music by Bruce Hirschfield. Bye.